Please turn in your books and your Bibles to the book of Hosea. Hosea. We have been working through the minor prophets. You know, in, in the Hebrew Bible, they were simply referred to as the Twelve. Okay, they were in a separate scroll by themselves called the Scroll of the Twelve. Um, and we've been working our way through them. We've had Joel, the prophet of the day of the Lord. Amos, the prophet who wasn't really a prophet. We've had Obadiah, the prophet against Edom. Micah, the prophet who liked puns. We've had Nahum, the prophet of doom. Habakkuk, the prophet who never preached. Haggai, the prophet of the temple. Malachi, the prophet of the messenger. Now that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. The, I said before that I will not be doing Daniel because... Pastor Frank did a marvellous series on Daniel, and if you want that, you can look it up on the on our YouTube list, and any of these you've missed is on the, our YouTube as well. And I will not be doing Jonah, because everybody does Jonah. And so, now, leave me. So, you know that leaves two after today. Two left. The two Zeds. Zachariah and Zephaniah. Z, 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 Z. You could name a band that, you know. But anyhow, that's entirely different. Um, but this is the tale of the prophet of Ho prophet Hosea. And I thought to myself, you know, when I read this, if this story doesn't break your heart, then I don't think you have one. So... Let us look at Hosea, the prophet with a broken heart. Before we go, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now you might open our hearts and minds. Have us to see, to understand and to appreciate the wondrous things which are contained in your word. Teach us and touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Old Testament especially has love stories in it. Did you know that? It has love stories in it. There's Rahab and her rescuers. I mean, that's 007 sort of stuff there. Spies and people coming in and being protected by a, a, a unusual lady. And, uh, you know, this, that's a, it's a love story when you read it. Rahab and the rescuers. There's Ruth and Boaz. Oh, come on. Ruth and Boaz, that's worthy of Stephanie Lawrence or Barbara Cartland. That's the Mills and Boone of, 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 of Old Testament stories, Ruth and Boaz. Let me tell you, uh, Hollywood wasn't slow to pick up on that too. You can In the grand old days of Hollywood, you'll find a few stories about that. David and Bathsheba, there's a love story. It nearly destroyed a kingdom. That's a... That's a powerful love story. So there are love stories in the Old Testament, and this is one which is a combination of a love story and a tragedy. The time. Well, we know the time of this that it happened because 
In verse chapter 1 of verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Okay, now you can put those uh, kings together. They form a line uh, from about 740 to maybe about 690 BC. Okay, that's a, that's your your your, uh, your your picture you're getting. Perhaps a little earlier, 760. But it's a long period of time. It's it's um, it's over 40 years. Over 40 years, this story takes place. Now, that's not unusual about prophets. Elisha prophesied for over 50 years. Over 50 years. Isaiah for more than 40 years. However, Haggai prophesied for only a few months. God doesn't work time-wise the same way we do. In view, we're talking mainly about the northern kingdom. Now, you, you, to set this, there was David who ruled all of that area, Solomon who brought it to its greatest peak, then Solomon's son, who the kindest thing you can say about him was and he was an idiot, um, and he, he broke the kingdom, destroyed it. The kingdom broke in half, northern kingdom, ten tribes, southern kingdom, two tribes, but roughly about, starting off roughly the same size. Um, and we're talking mainly about the northern kingdom just before it's invaded by Assyria. Okay? Because what's going to happen is Assyria is going to come down and destroy that kingdom. It's going to deport huge numbers of its people such that they will not lose their identity as Jews so much but they will lose their tribal connections and not be able to know what tribe they're from and they will, Assyria will then bring in other people to just obliterate and try and destroy the the, the nationhood to the extent that they produced the Samaritans now, that's where the Samaritans came from, this period uh, in, in, in history. So it's set in the northern kingdom just before the Assyrian conquest. Was this a good time? No, it was not. It was a terrible time to be around in Israel. Uh, the, the government was corrupt. The per, per, priests were ineffectual. The, the uh, whole system was just terrible. So, chapter 1, verse 2, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath the committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. Wow. It, it really just, it, it starts off straight, doesn't it? It says, go and marry an immoral woman. Wow. Now, what's interesting here, God, uh, God, did God point her out? No, I don't think so. 
I think perhaps this was more Hosea was coming before God and saying, God, um, as is a good thing to do, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in love with this woman. Should I marry her or not? And God saying, okay, go ahead, marry this woman. But son, she's going to break your heart. Wow. This is, this is solemn stuff. Because, you know, there is no indication at all that there was anything immoral about this woman prior to the marriage. So, you know, Hosea had no reason to suspect, I think, that, that what, was, what was about to unfold because we're not told anything about it before the marriage. So he went and took Gomer, the son, the, the daughter of Diblam, which conceived and bare him a son. Oh, how nice, a baby. And the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel. Now, Jezreel. The Lord said, call his name Jezreel. A lot of the prophets had or gave symbolic names to their children. It was quite a common thing, not just for prophets to do, to give names to children that meant something. Now, we're going to find one of those people in Pastor Frank's messages coming up really soon. And this guy, in our language, would be called Giggles Ben Abraham. How'd you like to be named Though he, Then he says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said to them, Ye are not my people, or lo am I, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Okay? Then shall the children of Israel and the children, uh, the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land. For great shall be the day of Jezreel. Oh, the name of the first son. So, in the in these kids' names, is a summary of God's dealing with the entire Jewish people. He's saying, first of all, I will, I will stop having mercy. I will cast you aside. But then later I will gather you together back again. Now, this hasn't finished yet. We've had the casting. We've had the lack of mercy. We've had God saying no more. But we haven't had the regathering together again yet. It's going to come. Now, almost, if you finished there, that's, that's sort of, you know, you can almost draw a line there and go, okay, there's a prophet, there's his wife, there's the three kids, there's their, their names, that's what it all means. Done. But there's something else going to happen and this is where it gets really sad. For in chapter 2, 
Hosea says, "Say unto your say ye unto your brethren, Am I and to your sisters Rama?" Notice he's taken the no off, right? So he's saying, "Say unto your fan, your your these people, merciful and my people." In other words, say to he's he's giving a message to those who are redeemed, who are restored who are brought back to him. Plead with your mother. Plead for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. You know what happened? She left him. She left him. And he's saying to the kids, go, talk to your mum. She's left. Plead with her. Say, come back. She leaves him. Now, he did not leave her. She left him. That is important to understand. And you know, it gets worse. You think, what? It, can it get worse? Oh, yeah, it can get a lot worse. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. She's in verse 5, for their mother hath played the harlot. Not just left, but left him for a life of immorality. Oh, that's sad. Can it get worse? Oh, yeah, it's going to get worse. It can get worse? Yes, it's about to get considerably worse because I want you to look at something very interesting. See how she, how Hosea refers to this, uh, her um, in verse 5? He says, for their mother, their mother. I want you to look back in chapter 1. And notice something. Because it says in verse 3 of chapter 1 that she conceived and bare him a son. But look down in verse 5. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And then in verse 8, she conceived and bare a son. Do you notice what's missing? Bear him. Oh yeah. Bear him. It's not there. For I think that in the midst of this 10 year period that we're talking about where this was occurring, it was starting to be realized by Hosea that these two, the last two children, were not his. Because it's not recorded that he's their father, only that she is their mother. Bad? Oh yeah, this is getting really bad. For when he says, you are not my people, he's looking at the children and realising they're not his children. 
Did I say this was going to break your heart? This, this woman has committed adultery, in all probability conceived by her lovers, these children, and yet, and yet Hosea says, go and plead with her to come back because I love her. Plead with her to come back, but she doesn't. She talks, of, she talks to people in verse 5 and she says, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil and my drink. And he says, don't you realize that I provided all those things? They were all from me, not from them. So she goes and will not return. It's sad. But then something else happens. Chapter 3. Then said the Lord unto me. It's interesting, isn't it? It goes into the first person. Up until now, he's been, it, it's been talking in the second person, but now it's in the first person. He says, go unto then said the Lord unto me, Go and love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love, or like the love the Lord towards the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. Oh yeah, there's something else happening here. Not only has she become immoral, she's a drunk. She's a drunk. Now, what we have to realize here, what's coming here, is that in Israel, when we talk about servitude or slavery, it was primarily economic. That's the way it operated. Right? If you were bankrupt, you didn't just go to a court and they say, oh, we're going to pay your creditors 10 cents in the dollar. It's too bad, so sad. You, you lose. This guy walks away and starts another business. They didn't do things that way then. In fact, I think I'd like to see some of it brought back, maybe. I really do dislike that when people abuse the economic system. If you were a become bankrupt, they sold your house. They sold your goods. They sold everything you had. And then if there was still money owing, they sold you. And you worked off your debt. So we find that this, this woman has now become indebted. And she has now, and now she is due to be sold to pay her debts. She has gone from being a wife and a mother to a drunk being sold as a slave. And he sees her in the marketplace. 
and he buys her. Verse 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and half a homer of barley. What was the price of a slave? Well, if you look in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, you will find that the price of a dead slave was 30 pieces of silver. What's 30 pieces of silver today? It's around about $135. $135. But it says that he, sorry, it's $265, my correction, my mistake. 30 pieces of silver is $265. So 15 pieces of silver, about $135. $135, 15 pieces of silver. But he also paid a homer and half of barley. Now, okay, we get, and this is where it gets really, you know, if you don't uh, understand it. A homer is not a volume, is not a measure of weight. It's a measure of volume. And it consists of 10 baths or 30 seekers. And of course, everybody knows that a seeker is six cabs. Now, look, it, it's just the way they, they work things. But it works out at a homer is about 220 litres. It's the, hang on, it's like a 44 gallon drum. For those who work in the old volumes, that size of a 44-gallon drum is a homer. Um, so a homer and a half is about 360 litres of barley. What's that worth? About $100. $100? That's about the same. Ah, what he's doing is he doesn't have the 30 shekels of silver in cash. He has 15 shekels in cash and he pays the rest in barley. Right. Now you get the idea. He didn't have 30 shekels in cash. So he paid the rest in barley. And he said unto her, Thou shalt abide with me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another man. So also I will be for thee. He says, I'm taking you home and I'm going to dry you out. You won't be going out until you've got your head straight. There comes a time if anybody has ever dealt with people who are in addictive situations that you need to just be kept quiet and still till you can dry out. Be it various substances, that's what she needed to do. He says, you're going to come home and shall abide with me many days. He says, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, without a teraphim, 
And afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. He says, because children of Israel, you're going to be taken away without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice. There's going to come a time when Israel will be taken out of its land until it learns to stop what it's doing. Now, what was the problem? Now, just think for a moment. What was the problem that plagued Israel prior to this, this time of Babylonian captivity? Well, idol worship. They just could not stop the idol worship. They just couldn't keep their grubby little hands off Baal's idols. God says, I'm going to take you away until you learn not to do it. And they were taken away into, into captivity, into Babylon and into Assyria. But do you know what's really interesting when you look at the history of Israel when they come back from the captivity? They learnt their lesson. They never, ever got into idol worship again. Oh, they they were taken away without a without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, no temple, without, without an image, without an ephod, no priesthood, without a teraphim, without the high priest. But afterwards they returned, cured of idol worship. So here's the question. How did Hosea's wife respond? We don't know. We don't know how Hosea's wife responded. Did she repent and turn and love her husband again? Did she seek to be reconciled with him? Did she become the wife and mother that she could have been? Or did she persist? You know something? We just don't know. How sad is that? That we don't know what happened to her. Hosea, the prophet with a broken heart who loved a woman who turned her back on him who played the harlot, became drunk, and eventually he had to buy in the marketplace to get her back. How sad. As I said, if this doesn't break your heart, you're, you're, you don't have one, the story of this man. And yet, he says, I want you to look back again at Hosea chapter 3. At verse 1, he says, Then said the, the Lord unto me, Go, yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord towards the children of Israel. He said, Hosea, what you're going through, now you understand how I love Israel, how I love my people 
yet they continually, continually fall away and turn their back on me, and yet I love them. Do you understand something now of how God loves you? No matter what you've done or where you've been or how bad you think things have got, I'll guarantee none of you have been put up for auction. But Hosea still loved her. And no matter how bad things have gotten between you and God, I can guarantee God still loves you. And God will do whatever it is necessary to reach you. Now, it was necessary to take the entire nation of Israel, of Israel and put them in captivity in order that God might break them of their idol worship. And sometimes, brethren, it is necessary for God to deal with his children sternly. Not because he hates them, but because he loves them. And he will not permit them to remain in that sinful state, but will do whatever is necessary in order to bring them back to himself. Now, I read the biography of a man in America who was convicted some might say justly and some would say unjustly of a crime. Uh, I'm not a legal expert, so I it was a financial crime. And some people say he was right and some people say he was wrong, but that's not the point. But he was sent to jail and he was a Christian man. And eventually he told his lawyers just stop trying stop trying to get me out I'm, not, I'm just gonna wear this and a wise man came to him and said to him brother I can tell you exactly when you're gonna get out of jail cool that'd be good to know wouldn't it and he said you will get out of jail whenever you have learnt the lesson that God has put you in here to learn and not one day earlier. So he stopped trying to get out, applied himself to trying to be the best possible person he could to the people who are around him. You know, in America, when you die in jail, you die in jail. They don't take you out. You die in the jail. So you know what he volunteered to do? To sit with the dying. Yeah. To sit with the dying and talk to them of the love of God on their last day. Yeah. God taught him some lessons and then all of a sudden the court said, no, nah, you're out. 
when he had learnt the lessons that God had got him to learn, wanted him to learn, he was out. What is the lesson that God is trying to teach you? In the situation you are in at the moment, God is trying to teach you something. Are you willing to learn it? Are you willing to find out what it is and do it? Or you're going to keep insisting on turning back to your lovers and saying, oh, they gave me my oil and my flax and my wine. No. And God says, you haven't learned it yet. Time for another lesson. We learn in this passage, in this book, how much God loves his people. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, if you look forward to that, he speaks how, verse 5, Therefore I have hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that go forth. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. That verse sound familiar? It should. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 verse 13. When Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, in verse 12 he says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what this means, what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting Hosea chapter 6, 6. What does it mean? I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He's saying God is still calling his people. And he's saying, I don't want outward religious show. I don't want religiosity. I don't want public prayers. What I want is broken hearts. For I have not come to call the outwardly righteous, but the broken hearted sinners to repentance. Is God calling? How much does God love his people? Further over in Hosea, in, verse, in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Oh, hang on, that's another quote from the Old, it's in the New Testament. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. But I want you to look something here. In the last chapter of the book of Hosea, we have Ephraim saying in the last, the last two verses, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I'm done with it. I have heard him and observed him. I'm like a green fir tree from, from me is thy fruit found. Now, and then Hosea asks a very important question. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. You think you're smart? 
You think you're clever? Then understand this. This is not the smarty pants smart. This is the wisdom smart. This is the wisdom of those who have looked and considered these things and said, I will return unto my God. Verse 2 of that chapter, it says, Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away all iniquity. When you have kids, it's interesting that your children almost invariably will do two things. One, they will make you as proud as you can ever be. You will look at those kids and you will go, I am so proud of them. And then they'll break your heart because that's the nature of kids. Where are you with God today? Have you broken his heart? Have you slid away? Have you turned to the things which you thought would bring you happiness? The things that you thought would bring you satisfaction and found them empty and worthless and tasteless? Are you now sold by sin are you now being auctioned off by the forces of the devil sold to whoever he wants let me tell you there's a message here for two groups of people one there's a message for those who have never found the love of God before listen God loves you and will do whatever it takes to win you if you will turn to him right now, he will receive you. He will call you his child. He will bring you into his heavenly kingdom. He promises. But listen, Christian, have you fallen back and away from where God wanted you to be? Have you become like Hosea's wife become not his people anymore. <clears throat> well, then who's wise? Who's smart? Who shall know these things for the ways of the Lord are right? Return now and he will receive you. There's a message here of repentance. But you know, repentance is only possible because God loves you more than you can possibly imagine, more than you can possibly ever know. God loves you. Sad, you know, that we don't know how Hosea's wife responded. We don't know whatever happened to her. It's one of those things we, we hope we hope desperately, I know I do, I hope she repented and that she came back to him and became the wife and the mother that she could have been all along. But we don't know. Do you know what's going to happen 
with you this day? Will you return back to the God who loves you? Or will you continue to work away and go away from the God who gave so much for you? God loves you. He said it so many times and in so many ways. And then he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll demonstrate it in the life of one of my prophets. I'll make a 40-year history of how much I loved Israel. And I'll leave it for them then to decide what will they do. Brethren, there are people here today who are sitting next to Hosea's wife in the marketplace. He's coming and willing to buy you back. Will you come with him? Or will you insist on another buyer? So let me tell you, the sins of this world will buy and sell you in an instant. There's love abounding for everyone who wants to come to Christ this day. Will you come? Will you turn to him? Or will you insist on your stubbornness? Today, today, get out of the slave market. Today, talk to me after. Talk to Pastor Frank. Find someone you trust who you know is a Christian and talk to them. And they will show you how you can return in, turn in faith and repentance to the one who loves you more than you can possibly imagine.